0: Hi, uh, welcome to the New Voting Project. My name is Kunal, your host, still here. Shout out to Drake uh, because that's a song by Drake. Uh, (laughs) And today we're here with Holly Holiday, uh, president of Sisters Lead Sisters Vote and chief strategist at Holiday Advisors. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to come out today and speak with us. I know you're super busy, uh, but we do appreciate your time.
1: Any chance to talk about voting rights is a good day for me. that and talk to you
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just have to be the biggest draw. Come on. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Perfect. Uh, So yeah, let's get into it. Um, Just for our viewers. For the first question, talk a little bit about your background, how you got involved in in political consulting and advising and and voting rights and, and touch upon how college prepared you to assume your current responsibilities.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I have to tell you, I am a third generation politician. My grandfather was an elected official. Um, My father was an elected official. Both my grandmother and my mother are both a key political strategist and operatives. I'm not sure they had those fancy names back when they were doing it, but that's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely am a culmination of that background. We've always had a passion um, for justice in general and a keen understanding at how empowering voting rights are. Um, You know, especially with um, my Education and hearing the personal experiences of my father and grandfather and and my actually grandparents. I don't want to be too. Um, I don't want to leave out the the important work of the women. Um, but um, you know, hearing their stories growing up and really like seeing it and hearing their friends talk about what they had to do to vote and how important it was. Um, I happen to be from Missouri. And um, just to give you, since you mentioned history, you know, the evolution of voting rights, um, working at a place uh, being from Kansas City that sits on the space um, and was greatly impacted by the Missouri Compromise, which made Missouri a slave state and Kansas a free state. And the way in which voting rights um, evolved and at the time of my grandparents and then my parents um you know, really made us see it was like a living example of good practice versus bad practice, which is so hilarious now as I I wouldn't say hilarious ironic, because now, um, you know, whereas in the before you know for years we saw that Kansas because it had more um, liberal voting rights, and then it flipped and it became Missouri that had the more liberal voting rights. Um, And now it's like they're trying to out conservative each other. Although um, (laughs) Kansas is starting to demonstrate a little bit more progressive activity, um, which um, is kind of how they started out when they came into the union. And so um, I just think that background just helped me to be an eyewitness to history, if you will. And so I recognize that where communities, you know, may have social economic disadvantages, voting is something that should be available to all. And it creates a level playing field around um, how all of our communities interface with our government. And so it is it's not just um, important; it's essential um, to our communities to have an equal access to the ballot.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. By the way, just a brief history on me: um, I've, been, I've studied um, American history for for the last three years, so <laughs> we're very familiar with you know the Missouri Compromise and the Kansas-Nebraska Act, and you know, etc. You know, the, the slave state, um, free state argument. Um, and of course, then morphing into, you know, states' rights, um, that, that whole shebang. So yeah, no, definitely there is historical context from where you're coming from. Um, I guess my second question then is, you obviously have a, a political lineage, um, but what specifically drew you to enter politics beyond just your, your your family's influence? Was it a specific policy? Was it something you were striving to achieve? Did you have aspirations for elected office? Did you start off as an activist or community organizer? You know, like what was your pathway?
1: Yeah, I started off in politics because... I saw I I think my passion was really around elected politics, Mm -hmm. um, because locally I saw the impact and the influence that having good people in the right position made on the community, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I. I early on um, worked for a lot of candidates and I would see the impact of their leadership in our community. I remember, you know, working for a school board candidate because uh, she was going to empower students' voices. And when we were able to get her elected, you know one of the first things she did was institute um, a student, advisory committee to the school board. Um, And so again, I saw that direct impact, like this person got in office, Um, this person said that they were going to do X, then they did X. And by doing so, I was directly impacted and affected. And so I think having those local experiences early gave me a real appreciation for how important elected leadership can be, not in the abstract, but on my life about stuff that I cared about. Um, And once I got that once I realized that I pretty much have been all in since then, I think I was around 14 or 15 when we worked on that school board race. And then I was, um, And then I was um, appointed um, by the same candidate to the newly created student advisory to the school board, our school district. I went to public school in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, Our school district at that time was undergoing a lot of change. We were moving from um, a neighborhood school system to a magnet school system. We were under a school desegregation order. Um, And so having the voice of students was really important to me at that time, because I was being impacted by all of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Local politics is the best politics, in my opinion. (laughs) All Um, things local, Tip (laughs) O'Neill. And now that you've kind of, you know, achieved a, a certain amount, especially leading an entire voting organization, now running a strategy firm. Um, You had mentioned your clients being like the DNC and progressive institutions. I'm just plugging your things right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll link it all in the description. Don't worry. Um, What are some of the core values you are now advocating for the policy objectives you're trying to accomplish, um, especially at, at, at sisters lead sisters vote?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Starting out, um, you know, when you start out small, like I did, um, I wasn't as aware of how the impact of both racism and sexism played in our in our politics. And the more work that I did, and especially the bigger that that work got, the more I saw that coming that influence coming in. And I just think it's uh, limiting to the type of leadership that we want and need and deserve in this country. And so um, now my work is really focused around creating um, equitable equity within our politics and really being intentional about having those diverse voices and providing organizations with Um, the tools and skill sets that they need to be inclusive. And there's no place that we need to see that more applied than as it relates to voting rights. Um, We already know and I think people, you know, when you look at polling on voting rights, you know, everyone agrees that everyone should vote, Um, but where we don't agree is that we don't really understand that every community does not come to the vote in the same way, and so in order to create equity, we've got to have um, we've got to have strategies that open that access up. Um, and so even something as simple as you know passing a law that says that you're no longer going to be able to allow drop boxes, or where you're limiting the number of Uh, polling places within a different space, or you're only putting polling places in one area, but not another area, and that the area that's being reached that doesn't have the polling place happens to have transportation issues. So again, you know, we just have to realize in America, That while we are all equal under the law, we do not yet have equity under the law, which means that we do not approach it from the same place. And it's important to allow equal opportunity, which means you have to be able to be willing to um, create accommodations for folks, you know, so that they can, uh, so they can do what other folks may be able to do without accommodation.
0: Yeah, no, that's well said. I like that. Um, although we're equal under the law, we don't have equity under the law. That that does make a lot of sense. Um, and we thank you for your service, especially in during in voting rights. And we're gonna get into that. Yes, uh, a little later. But I, I do want to talk about 2020. Um, the 2020 election was, uh, you know, this gigantic, you know, like. We, historic you know it was very significant the 2020 election it was during a pandemic that only happens once in a century apparently and you know from top to bottom municipal all the way down to my East Bay municipality to you know the United States presidency everything was on the line in, in some ways yep give me your thoughts on on that entire year um, and, and all the work I think you may have put in to, to make some of those outcomes happen.
1: Yeah. Well, let me just say 2020 should go down in the history books as what happens when people work together, when there is a big coalition of folks who have similar interests and they agree to put aside some of those minor things that may be differences in order to fight for a greater outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And the biggest lesson that I learned is that progressives can make a difference Mm -hmm. when they embrace um, their diversity in an inclusive way to win power. And if we can just double down on that, Mm -hmm. we will be unstoppable. Um, We will be unstoppable. Unfortunately, I think there's still a little bit of reservation and hesitancy and full investment in that strategy, Uh, but I'm certainly going to continue to push it along and I think 2020 for me was definitely a testimony to that. I think the other thing that we see is that representation matters. Um, People, I think what you saw in 2020 was people coming together because they felt like they had no choice um, because of the radical division that was inspired through the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. Um, Folks felt like that was just untenable to continue to live in that space. Um, And we saw an unprecedented number of Americans vote. We had over 160 uh, million people vote in an election. It is the highest turnout of any election in American history. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, although we were doing it in a pandemic, I think what we can attribute to that is that it was also the election where we provided the greatest accommodation to voters. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw every, um, pretty much every voting, um every voting reform um, that i've been fighting for for well over 20 years was implemented in some broad spectrum way in the 2020 election albeit for a temporary solution to the pandemic um but i think that what we saw is that these are actually changes and reforms that should be permanent because they
0: work yeah no not i mean yeah 160 million Right. And it was pretty divided. You know, both parties really benefited from from a widespread vote. You know, it, w- it was pretty equal at one point. It was a couple more million for for, for our current president. Um, but, yeah, no. and the more I think about 2020, um, sending everybody an absentee ballot, having a, a large, a, a large amount of poll workers and people involved in the civic process, um, getting getting the word out about voting. The amount of campaigns that were running digital and in some, I guess, uh, special environments, you know, physical campaigns, twenty twenty was 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 crazy. Um, So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. but I, 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 you know, a lot of you will
1: hear analysts of the election point to several things, right? They'll point to. they'll point to the, the division, political division between the two candidates, but be it Republican or Democrat. Um, they'll point to the unprecedented amount of money that was spent, um, you know, well, almost $2 trillion. So, I mean, you know, they'll point to these things. These are certainly valuable and important. Um, but I think with all of that, especially given the pandemic, it would have been academic if we didn't have mail-in ballots, if we didn't have drop-off ballot locations, if we didn't have a concerted effort to increase the number of poll workers that we have at each location, if we didn't have the support of groups on the ground who were helping to provide um, support to people who had to stand in long lines or transportation to the polls because um, their polling location was um, not reachable through public transit. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of other things um, that folks aren't giving enough air to, in my opinion, that really made it possible for the money to make sense and for the conflict to make sense. Um, You know, if, if, if we'd had the conflict and the money, but not the access to the ballot, we would have been looking at a different election.
0: Right. And how important is that right to vote? How important is voting in your opinion? Oh my gosh. <laughs> is there
1: anything more important? Um, listen, I think, you know, on if I'm thinking about the hierarchy of needs, of course, you know, food, water, security is important, but I think you're like right after that, voting for sure. Okay. Um, and I have to say, you know, I have to say that because voting is a gateway to representation. And it is that representation and those laws from ballot initiative perspective that actually impact the way in which we're able to live our lives. Um, In some ways, you know, vote. not in some ways, I mean, if you think about it, you know how you vote dictates whether or not you have clean water. It dictates whether or not you have clean air. It dictates whether or not you have quality schools and accessibility to quality schools. It dictates um, pretty much anything that you need to survive in this country. I can connect it back to voting. So voting is definitely going to be in my top five things that I care about and think about every day. I may be just a small bit biased but I
0: think that
1: should be I think everybody should be there.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Um I often say voting is a is a starting point. You know, it, it should be the first step towards towards a, a more fulfilling democracy, right? And government um institution. Yeah. But you brought up the story of being involved in your local school board. Um and I just want to ask, way back then, when, when you were so, you know, engaged in the political process at such a young age, do you think you should have had the right to vote at, you know, 15, 16, 17, dictating your local school policies? Listen, know?
1: I happen to currently, I am currently in Hyattsville, Maryland, mm-hmm. and Hyattsville is one of the places in the United States where 16-year-olds can vote. I absolutely support it. And I think, um, honestly, probably less so when I was 16 and more so now. And frankly, it has everything to do with the flow of information. Um, When I was 16, I probably wouldn't have been for it. And mainly just because Most of my peers were not doing what I was doing. Most of my peers did not have the ability to have the level of access that I had. And I'm not sure that they would have been, I'm not sure that they were as engaged in democracy. That is not true today. And I think that it will never be true again. Um, We all are infiltrated um, and have a more, you have more, Um, 16-year-olds who are having to make more mature decisions, um, who are are having to be supports for their family, who are working and paying taxes. Um, And as that number continues to grow, their representation and their need to be represented and be heard grows with it.
0: Right. In essence, though, whether 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, or even you know, old folks, <laughs> I don't want to define that. <laughs> <laughs> You're treading on thin ground, but it's okay. Exactly. <laughs>
1: We're going to make it. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I will take it.
0: I've earned these years. <laughs> <laughs> Why is voting rights the critical issue people should care about?
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because of it, it just impacts everything. It impacts everything. Listen, if it wasn't so important, there wouldn't be so much effort around taking it away from us, right? There wouldn't be, I mean, honestly, you know, the amount of money and the amount of energy and the amount of effort that is being done to roll back, which was what was clearly a success in 2020 is incredible. You know, we saw almost 400 bills across the country and state legislators all directed towards not letting people vote the way they already voted in 2020 you wouldn't see that if it didn't make a difference if it didn't mean something i mean that in and of itself should tell you how important it is um you know we can already see the changes i mean talking about covid i mean the fact that we have a government now that is trying to provide us with more consistent information so that we can feel safe when we travel from one state to the next, knowing that we have a baseline of support, Um, the rapidness in which the vaccines have been um, distributed and made available. By the way, all of this at low lim no to low cost to individuals. Um, and now we're starting to see the next wave of response happening. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's times like that, that I really get that. If, that I mean, life or death situations. I unfortunately have had several friends pass due to COVID. So I take it really seriously. Mm-hmm. And I, And I wonder, you know, if we'd had the kind of leadership that we have now, would they have died? And when you ask yourself that question, then voting becomes an imperative.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, sorry for your losses. Yeah, that that must be tough. Um, Now let's talk about Georgia. Right. Let's
1: talk about Georgia,
0: Georgia, Texas. You mentioned the 400 bills voting rights restrictions, you know, impediments to, you know, absentee ballots and polling locations and um, ID preferences in certain states, you need to show like four different IDs or something. Um, (laughs) And workers can't give out water bottles. I mean, this is this is some some geriatric, you know, draconian ruling. No Um, doubt. Why is this happening? And and what 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 are you doing? Or, or what, are you, what should we do about it? You know, explain to me, well, mm-hmm. what's the next step? Uh, well, let's go with the why. Listen,
1: why it's happening is because you voted and you're voting and your vote mattered. And because your vote mattered, um, people now want to limit and go back to a space where you don't think your vote is important. Um, so that's why we're here. Um, If you think your vote matters and you too recognize the value, importance and influence that it had in 2020, that's why you should care and be in this fight with me. What does the fight look like? Well, you know, sadly, we just don't have the bandwidth to fight each and every um horrific thing that's being proposed in the state legislators um fortunately most state legislators don't meet year-round and so for this year 2021 we've managed to escape a lot of bad things that could have happened Mm -hmm. however they will be reintroduced in 2022 which is around the corner Um, And we still no more have the bandwidth to fight them last year than we did this year. Um, Many of them were are going to evaluate um, states like Georgia and Texas that are trying to pass these laws and see how they impact their rules. Let's deal with Georgia first. So Georgia has passed these laws and already because we have several municipal elections happening in Georgia, most notably the one in Atlanta, we're going to actually see in real time how these laws impact that election. Um, and that and we'll have to be really prepared to be able to analyze the impact that these laws had on that election. Um, they're already predicting um a much lower turnout than usual. Obviously, you know, it would be expected that the turnout would be lower than 2020, but will it then also be lower than what we saw in the last mayor's election? Mm-hmm. Um so those mayor, the mayor
0: bottoms I, is up for re-election?
1: Mayor Bottoms. Uh, is not running for re election, she is up for re election. Her seat is up. Okay. Um, she has made the decision, um, to take a job in corporate America, so her it's an open seat. Um, uh, last count, we had about 16 people running for mayor. I think that number will actually go up a
0: little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta's um, and, a big city, Atlanta that's yeah. that's expected, but really only three to five viable contenders. That's probably right, but it's going to be the same. They've got some over.
1: real viable. They they probably are going to end up with three or four viable contenders. So that's still a pretty big field, yeah. and um, again, an opportunity for us to see how these draconian laws really impact elections and the and the level of suppression that they are likely to have. Um, so that's, that's 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 that that's something very immediate. Um, you know, for instance, um, you know, the Dropbox where you can go and drop off your vote at any time that's gone, you know, Dropbox are now in government buildings. They're only available when the building is open, um, which coincidentally is the same time that you're probably going to be at work. Uh, so you will not have that access. Um you know, the the restrictions on mail-in voting has returned. So the hundreds and thousands of folks that voted in Georgia via mail, for many of those folks, that opportunity was no longer going to be available. Uh, For the um, long lines, which we did see a lot of long lines in the jurisdiction of Within the city limits of Georgia, of Atlanta itself, you know, the support that you got to get you through um, water, snacks, and other things, not going to be available. Are you still going to be able to stand in line? Are you still going to be, have the, what you need to withstand? We'll see. Um, So all of these things are coming to play in real life, and we'll be able to kind of take a look at them. Um, Texas, Texas. you know, continues to be a space where we have to protect their, their legislator is still their legislative, their legislative body is still in session. And so they're still working on and voting these things in as we speak. Um, I think because of that, and because we know that we're going to see even more of this in 2022, we need Congress to act. Um, so we thought that perhaps there was going to be a vote yesterday before they went on their August recess that did not come to fruition, but there's now plans for the house to come back early, um, and the Senate to come back early to kind of, to deal with this. Um, Senator Schumer has said that he does not see voting rights as a dead issue. Um, and I know, um, sisters lead sisters vote along with And in partnership with lots of other organizations and we are a part of several voting rights coalitions including one called black women take action which you can go to their website um, blackwomentakeaction.org we were literally um, that coalition of people spent the last three weeks every week going to the hill hosting rallies meeting with representatives encouraging um, Democrats to not just be a vote, but to be a champion and encouraging Republicans to reconsider a no vote, um, for the sake of their own constituencies. Um, now that, um, officially today, uh, many of those folks are now back in their home districts and we're urging people, To call, um, stop by, attend the teas and the coffees and the town halls that those folks are having and let them know how important you think voting rights are. I mean, um, if you can't do that, then, you know, do pull out, I call it the little magic box that we all have. And um, open that Twitter account and directly tweet to your senators and your Congress people and say, you know, I'm a member, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a constituent, I'm a, I'm a voter, I'm a voter in your district, and I want you to protect my rights to continue to be so, um, and that my expectation is that you're going to make sure that I have an equal opportunity to vote. Um, you know, I, again, you know, I've had to do that with my representatives in Missouri, um, not with a lot of success, but I keep it going. And it, it also, the thing that it does, even though I may not get them the first time, I ended up in a conver- in a Twitter conversation with Senator Blunt and other, pe- it was a public Twitter conversation. So when he actually is on record on Twitter explaining, yeah, I'm not voting for that because such and such, now other people see it and they're like, what? I didn't know that he was not in favor of allowing that. That's ridiculous. And so, you know, even Republicans um, um, see the insanity of it and recognize they may not always agree with the outcomes. We may not agree on the issues, but we agree that we should all have a right to vote. Um, And that's not a Republican or Democratic issue, even though the Republicans are seeking to make it so and seeking to make it look as if voting is more than just an opportunity for each individual to express their opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah. The next time I'm in a Twitter conversation with my senator, I'm going to call you (laughs) <laughs> although i'm i'm sure both of mine are going to vote for for voting rights
1: you um, are fortunate to be in the great state of california
0: <laughs> i wouldn't call it so great there's uh, that's well from the right
1: standpoint right. of voting rights how about that we're limited to one thing at a time yeah one thing at a time there's there's still a lot of issues we still have to work on this recall election though but other than yeah, that yeah. We're we're, ready. well
0: that's a different episode you know that's
1: another episode okay <laughs> We'll stay on task,
0: exactly. uh, but just in closing, um, what is your advice to the next generation Gen Z, I'm included um, yeah. 16, 17 the incoming 18 year olds um, who want to get involved looking for the avenue, um, or just need to understand, you know, the importance of voting, what would you recommend, you know, in, in your in your decades of experience.
1: Yeah. You know, listen, I think that, um, the younger generation, they inspire and inform and educate me on a regular basis. Right. Um, and so I actually, myself you know, included. yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you, I, I was getting ready to say the fact that you have, you know, that you have this show that you use this medium to educate, you know, the world with your point of view. Um, the fact that, um, you know, we saw so many young people take to the streets because they don't have the right to vote. So they have to, u- they, their use of other um, social, um, uh, social pressure to get people to pay attention to their point of view, keep doing that, <laughs> um, you know, so many of the things that are already happening are exactly what we need. Um, you may not be able to vote, but the fact that you went out in social protest, alerted those of us who could vote at how important it is you know sometimes you know as older people we got a lot of different things that we're trying to manage including sometimes some of the younger people um but your willingness to sacrifice um to put yourselves out there made a difference social media let your voices be heard on social media weigh in on these topics don't just sit back and let it be um us older folks who have an opinion Um, The way you learn is you get your hands dirty, you get in there and you wrap around something and don't try to take on stuff that you don't understand all the time. Just get in there and start from where you are. For me, it started with school board because I had a direct because I was a student um, because those things I saw a direct impact on. And there are things that like that that happen in your life. And I encourage you to whatever you care about, take it to the next level. Um, ultimately that's my advice, whatever you care about, take it to the next level and understand that whatever it is, there is a relationship to voting, um, whether that's being creative, whether that's politics, whether that's science, all of it comes back to creating a world in where you can do all of those things. And voting is a part of that. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Thank why you we don't. So do much. It. This has yeah. been so
0: much fun. Exactly, yeah. I'm um, like
1: total I could go on forever, but we don't have forever. So, um, so. but I just want to I honestly just appreciate you so much. Um, I think these conversations are so important. It's it's vital for us to have intergenerational conversations. It's vital for us to to have conversations where people who may not ordinarily live in each other's orbit get together and can talk and figure out you know what are some of the things that we can do that are in our span of control and sphere of influence and you know you're doing that in so many ways with your show and I can't wait to see who you have on next um, and who Oof, you can I get do. to next. And yeah, I'm uh, going to definitely try to figure out some of my friends and associates that I can encourage to be a part of your conversation.
0: Well, well, thank you for that. Uh, we do appreciate any, any insight and input. And I was about to say, um, the perspective you bring, I think, as a political operative, one who's been active for, for many years working on these issues concurrently, I think is very valuable to have Everybody's input. See, this show is meant it's is meant to be versatile. I want everybody's input. No, no input is lesser than another because everybody has a different platform they're using. Right? Yeah. Actors, activists, artists, political operatives, academics, professors, researchers. I want everybody there is because voting, like you say, is so central to every issue we deal with yeah right? so it doesn't matter who you are it's going to affect you <laughs> yeah um but yes no how can viewers update it on your platform you want to plug your socials and
1: absolutely yeah. they can find us on every platform at at sisters lead or at sisters lead um at sisters vote um our website is sisterslead, Sistersvote.org um and uh yeah definitely check us out Uh, we are super active on social media um we do a lot around voting rights and so you'll see lots of things um, that you can use and repurpose to send to your audiences and we definitely encourage that um we are especially looking for if you are a black woman who ran for office in 2020, we're looking for you. We wanna capture your experiences. So please go to our website, sistersvote.org to find out more about how you can share um, your uh, campaign experiences. Our goal is to capture those experiences and document them and use those lessons learned to ensure that um, we are dealing with the racism and sexism that infiltrate our system so that folks, other folks who wanna run for 2022 and 2024 um, have the uh, benefit of those lessons and expertise. So that's my plug for now, but definitely (laughs) um, don't forget tweet at your tweet instagram facebook snapchat tiktok do all the things to um tag your senator and let them know that you care about voting rights
0: exactly um and yeah no thank you so much you're always welcome back on the show thank Um, you any other issue i know you mentioned the recall um election here in the state of california any anytime you want to come back
1: all right thank you have a great day thank
0: you so much you too take care